Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. Alright, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. Alright, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Hello and welcome. We are here today to talk about the latest Marvel movie, Eternals, as well as Taylor Swift's uh, old slash new album, Red. <laughs> but before we get into that, let's introduce ourselves and answer the question, what would be the best use of Taylor Swift in the MCU? I'm Sandra Omsteds. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. And this is a really great question. As soon as I started thinking about this, I thought, well, I don't actually want Taylor Swift to act as a character in the MCU because <laughs> I adore her, but I wouldn't say I love her as an actress. Like that's not where Agreed. my loyalty lies um, with Taylor Swift. So I think the best way to use Taylor Swift in the MCU would to be for there to be jokes or a storyline or a plot point that references the actual person, Taylor Swift, and kind of implies that, she disappeared in the snap, and then when she came back from the snap five years later, made, like, five albums in her first year back in order to make up for lost time. Like, that she just, like, <laughs> went into, like, a full-force work mode because she couldn't bear the thought of there being five years missing from her, like, yeah. catalog. <laughs> So would it would it be referenced or would it be a cameo? Like, would she actually appear in the MCU? I would take either. Um, I, okay. I think it's better if it's just kind of like a reference. You know, you see mm -hmm. you see the billboards in the background for like Taylor, yep. like red post snap version. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it. You have characters yeah. that like talk about how tough it was those five years to be without Taylor Swift because she was gone <laughs> and then she's back and you know all the Swifties rejoice. I think that's I that's I love whenever the MCU can really like do that world building, especially regarding the snap. And so this is just like one of those details that I think would be fun to include. Yeah, I love it. What about you? Um, well, I'm Lucas Wright from Chicago, and I I thought about this a long time. I was like, do I want a post credit Taylor Swift song? And the final answer was no, I do not want a post credit <laughs> Taylor Swift song. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I don't think so. Um, and I 100% agree with you that acting is not her forte. She should not be in front of the camera. But what I would love, she just recently directed her first short film. And mm. I thought it was great. And I would be interested in her directing a Marvel movie. This sounds oh preposterous. It sounds off the wall. But here's the deal. <laughs> here's the deal. Directing a Marvel movie um, has nothing to do with being good at cinematography. It has nothing to do, to do with being good at filmmaking, I think. It's more like running a company. And I think she is someone who has a lot of experience running a company and dealing with celebrities. And I would, as, a, as an experiment, I would absolutely love to see what Taylor Swift does directing a Marvel movie. That's fascinating. Um, I understand it's the, it's the most chaotic answer. It but. definitely is, yeah. <laughs> I, but it has my mind spinning on like what that would be like. Mm -hmm. um, I do want to tell you what my backup answer to your question Ooh, is. okay. Which is that like if, 
if you were going to make me say, like, no, what would she be in front of the camera? Like, if that was the question. Um, The thing that immediately popped into mind was, um, do you remember in the second Guardians of the Galaxy movie how Elizabeth Debicki played that, like, gold villain? Yes. I feel like... She would be a good, tall, gold girl. (laughs) Yes. Like, some tall, gold alien. Um, yeah. You know, Elizabeth Debicki's gold sister. Elizabeth Debicki's sister is actually a really good girl. Yeah, she would <laughs> yeah. be really good yeah. at that. She doesn't have to do a lot of facial movements, you know? She doesn't have to do a lot of talking, hopefully, you know? Right, just right. being there. Um, yeah, yeah definitely like not a main character where she has yeah. to, like, do a ton of acting, but where she gets yeah. to be, like, a figurehead of some kind um, yeah. and just, like, look like Taylor Swift, I think would be really cool. I like it. I think that's fun. <laughs> Okay, well, we will talk more about Taylor Swift and the MCU in a moment. But in the meantime, every every week we like to talk about something we've either discovered or rediscovered. So, Sandra, tell us what you're feeling. Okay, so I have just very recently recovered from COVID. Bomb, bomb, bomb. Yeah, like <laughs> not very fun. Luckily, because I'm vaccinated, it was a very mild case. Um, okay. I, I wasn't super sick. It was, you know, not much worse than... Um, a cold or a flu, but one of the big side effects is that you are exhausted and you really don't have the energy to do like anything for days. Um, and so that meant I had to sit, lie in bed and just watch TV. Um, so over the past 10 days, I have watched a ton of TV. I've been catching up (laughs) on so many shows that I've always been meaning to watch, um, but never took the time to. And it's been really, that aspect of this has been very delightful because every show that I've watched has been so comforting and so warm and interesting and sweet. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not going to take a ton of time talking about all of them. I just kind of want to run through some of those. Um, the first was I watched uh, season one and caught up on season two of Love Life on HBO Max. Oh. Yeah. I kind of had a lot of suspicions about this show. I'd heard some good things, but the show itself didn't actually, I would say, look that good from trailers I saw. And it turned out to be really, really impressive. I really got swept away in it. I would say the first few episodes are kind of hard to get into, but by the middle of the first season, I was so, so hooked. And season two has been wonderful so far. Nice. Yeah, another show that I had been meaning to watch, finally did. I watched the first two seasons of The Other Two. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you. <laughs> the Other Two is one of my favorite shows right now. It's so funny. I knew it would be good. It was a show that I always knew I would like, but never had just taken the time to watch. And... I wasn't prepared for how funny this show was and how weird and interesting and also sweet that it really was. So I can't recommend the other two more. It's about a uh, two 30-something New Yorkers that are have not really succeeding in life and their younger teenage brother becomes an overnight pop star celebrity sensation. And they kind of reckon with they're being close to celebrity and also like trying to put their lives together. It's so, so funny. Um, and then the last show that I've been catching that I caught up on, 
um, is a show called This Way Up. It's on Hulu, and it's created and stars, uh, it's created by and stars Ashling B, an Irish comedian that I really oh, adore. Yeah. She's fantastic. She's so fantastic. Have you ever, did you see the first season of this show, Lucas? I did not. I, I've seen trailers for it and, and know her, so I, I, I know about it, but I haven't watched any of it. The first season came out a while ago. I fell in yeah. love with it, and I had it, I just realized that a second season had just come out, um, and so I took the opportunity to, to watch the second season. You've got to make, I would say you specifically, Lucas, need to make this show a priority. It's so good, and it's our favorite, um, you know, setup where it's, the episodes are six, six season episodes, six episode seasons, I should say, (laughs) 30 minutes long. You know, you can just watch it so quickly, and these British shows really do pack I think in that very short period of time, pack a lot of punch, storytelling-wise, comedy-wise. Um, she's, I I am really kind of suspicious of the fact that she's not a much bigger star than she is currently. Because I think she's so incredibly talented and funny. Um, if For anyone who is not familiar with her or not familiar with this show, if you like Fleabag, I would, I think you would really like this show. It definitely has some similarities. Um, specifically, that sister relationship that's present in Fleabag is very present in This Way Up. Um, so if you like Fleabag, This Way Up is something that I think you would really enjoy. I love it. I will definitely put that on the list to watch soon. Yeah, that, so that was my COVID TV binge. Um, was a bunch of like romantic really sweet and funny shows that's fantastic um lucas what are you feeling this week you haven't have had covid so i'm sure (laughs) you you're you're squeezing things in the way i used to before my 10 days of binging it's true (laughs) yes um i have watched actually something at home though i watched the heart of they fall um this is the i almost said the newest movie but this is the first movie um by musician and director um james samuel (laughs) um so this 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 goes i'm saying musicians can direct movies yeah there you go musicians from the uk who direct westerns um I got to give props to them because they have made some of my favorites. Um, John McClane <laughs> from the Beta Band also directed uh, a Western called Slow West, which I absolutely love. Um, it's the only movie he's ever directed. So I don't know what it is with, uh, yeah, the UK musicians, but they they love a Western. <laughs> so this is a Western that's on Netflix. It stars Jonathan Majors and Idris Elba um, and has an amazing soundtrack by the likes of Lauren Hill, Jay-Z, um, CeeLo Green has a song. Um, it's just a very, and uh, James Samuel, the director also, you know, writes a song. Does He does the whole score for it as well. Um, it is a very fun Western. I think it follows a lot of this, the similar things that you've seen in Western. So it's not going to be, um, you know, life changing or anything for someone who doesn't like Western Sandra. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> one thing that it does do, which you have complained about Westerns before, it is colorful. It is a colorful Western. Okay. Um, which I absolutely love. I love this aspect of it. Of and they they use color very intentionally and have done a lot of I think interesting things with um, with the the costuming and the set design of this movie, which I think is very fun. Um, I really liked this movie a lot. I thought it was very a very stylistic western um, with a ton of energy. It felt very. Uh, it felt paced very well. Everybody in this is fantastic, um, and all of the the actors. I I'm gonna. 
list out the, the rest of the cast here, but like Zazie Beetz, Lakeith Stanfield, Delroy Lindo, Regina King um, are all just killing it. They are all playing real life black um, Western heroes is the wrong word, but um, <laughs> famous people, I guess. Figures. Um, figures. There you go. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, real life black Western figures um, who have all kind of come together in this movie. And one of the things that the the title card at the very beginning mentions, like this story uh, is made up, but all, these characters existed or these people existed, I think is what it says. So all of so it's basically just like a who's who from famous from famous Western lore um, and history all coming together in ways that they would not have in real life. But it's very fun to see. Uh, you have not seen this movie, correct? No, I haven't, but I love that as a structure. And what I will say is of all the trailers for Westerns you've made me watch, this <laughs> is the one I'm definitely the most interested in. And I do plan on watching this movie. Um, I haven't made it made um, a moment for it yet, but this is one that I really will, I, I do plan on watching because it seems great. I it, it, it really is. It's a lot of fun. I do think... I mean, again, I'm not saying this is going to change your mind on Westerns, but I, I think it could be up there as uh, one of your favorite Westerns, which would still rank pretty low on the movie list. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that is a very high possibility, and that's high praise, I would say. Um, yeah, I, I'm super interested in this, and I've heard nothing but good things. Yeah, and it seems to have all, like you said, all the things about Westerns that can frustrate me. It seems to mm -hmm. turn some of those on its head. Um and so that's, yeah, really exciting. I, I'm, I'm excited to give this a shot. I love it. It's on Netflix. It's called The Harder They Fall. So before we talk about Taylor Swift, let's talk Eternals. This is the movie directed by Chloe Zhao that we've all been talking about for a very long time. Um, she's the first Best Picture Oscar winner to uh, direct a Marvel movie. I think we both had concerns and also excitements about her doing this. Um, so I would love to hear right off the bat just what was your expectation coming into this movie? Well, you know, I don't think I had concerns now that I, I think like, about it. I feel like you had concerns. <laughs> did I? Maybe I did. I don't remember them. Had you, I, had you, when we talked about this, actually, you might not have seen any of her movies, actually. No, I definitely had seen her movies. I, I've seen The Writer and I've seen Nomadland. Okay. And you saw and The I, Writer when The Writer came out. Yeah. Like, in theaters, like years ago when it came point. out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then yeah, yeah I saw. Have. I mean, I don't know if okay. I, I, if she made anything before the writer. I haven't seen that, but both the writer and Nomadland I saw in theaters when they came out. Um, yeah. And so I, I really loved both of those movies and was a mm -hmm. fan of her work. Um, was excited when she won the Oscar and knew that Eternals was coming and was like really excited about it because. Um, I think she's such an interesting and different filmmaker than the MCU has ever had. And I have always been craving variants in these MCU films, you know? Um, yes. To to take these characters and these stories that we all love and then, but do something different stylistically with them. So yeah, I was really excited for this movie. I was uh, not super excited for, <laughs> for this movie. I think, I think I had like the normal excitement for a Marvel movie, but I think I love her style and I was very worried about it 
um, kind of how it would mesh with Marvel because she's a very like naturalistic, very um, not a running gun filmmaker, but she a lot of her movies feel very um, stolen, just moments yeah. that she's kind of shooting, um, which is the absolute opposite of everything Marvel has done up till now. So um, I wasn't worried about like that she would quit and it would be like a Edgar Wright Ant-Man situation. Um, I was just worried that, that it would be a Marvel movie and that there was nothing left of her um, in the, the, the final product. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was my expectation going in. I am excited to say that that was not the case. <laughs> you can definitely tell that she's in this movie um, and that she has, um, I think, control over the outcome of the movie. Um, which is something that, and it, to me, it feels very different than um, a lot of the stuff the Mar- that Marvel has done in the past, while still being like a lot of the stuff that Marvel has done in the past. Um, so let's let's talk about that. Ultimately, did you like the movie? Ultimately, I did like the movie. Ultimately, I don't think it was a great movie, but ultimately, I did like it. Okay, so I have so much to say about that, but I would, yeah, <laughs> I would also love totally. to hear your, so, your take. Again, like I said, I went into this really excited um or i I was i was yeah i was excited to see this movie um the trailers i think are so gorgeous and yes um i i'm really interested in a lot of the casting in this movie also um and sat down and um i don't understand what happened here (laughs) i think this movie is pretty bad (laughs) I think this movie's pretty and, bad and you and, disliked it yeah okay here's here's what's interesting about this i would say is that there's so much there's so many elements that i was really into mm-hmm. but the composite is i think a failure um the composite of all of them is bad but there's so much that interests me and that i think is good so that makes it a really complicated um, take, right? That yeah. I, I, there are other movies that are just bad. I just don't like them. I don't think they work. This is a movie that should work, and it doesn't. And I'm really trying to figure out why that is and what happened. Yeah, I'm very excited to talk about this. I think coming into this, she was not interested in the same thing that Mar- Mar- Marvel has been interested in the past, which I think is fine. I think you can do that. I think one of the things that she mentioned <laughs> is she one of the one of the I don't know if you saw this, but one of the movies that left a very strong impression on her and she felt was very authentic and real was Zack Snyder's Man of Steel, which to me is red flags everywhere. <laughs> That's interesting because you know that I'm kind of a sucker for I Zack know, Snyder. I do. <laughs> Zack Snyder Superman, I would say I'm a sucker for. Like not yes. all Zack Snyder, but yeah, for me that's that's all the red flags and it speaks to a lot of I feel like what what is wrong with this movie. I think overall what I liked about this movie are all the elements that like like you said that are like exciting and interesting. Um and they all come together to where I walked out and thought I like this movie. I think it's good. I don't think it's great. It's definitely not, probably wouldn't even say like top half Marvel, but no. um, it falls in the middle somewhere. Um, but I but I enjoyed it. And I think because there's a lot of things that we haven't seen before in this in, in the Marvel universe that, that she digs into. Yeah. Are you watching Succession right now? I am. Okay. There's a scene in um, one of the first episodes where they play a game called Good Tweet, Bad Tweet. Yes. <laughs> I feel like we should play a game in in the spoiler section of this, which I'm ready to get to, where it's like good element, bad element, where we just yes. like 
throw Definitely. out this thing was cool this thing was bad because that is how i feel that's how my brain is processing all of my thoughts about mm-hmm. this movie yep yep i think i have very little to defend about this movie other than the fact that i did like it um <laughs> yeah so i'm very excited to, to play good good tweet bad tweet with the, the decisions made in this movie okay great ready let's do spoilers let's do it before we get started does anyone want to get out are you paying attention it's your last chance to walk away let me tell you what's gonna happen now cracking gas spoilers remember you wanted this okay good tweet the first the opening act before it became the present day super into loved you know how we just talked about in dune how i missed like text at the beginning of a movie catching me up oh gosh this movie had it loved that (laughs) you love a good (laughs) pre-scroll yeah yeah i loved the setup of the characters and seeing them in the ancient times and all of that build up um good tweet okay bad tweet Do you want to do whole, a good tweet or do you want to do a bad tweet? I'm, I'm starting with a bad tweet. You're starting okay. at the beginning. I'm starting at the beginning. Okay, great. <laughs> bad tweet. <laughs> that whole 5000 BC action sequence at the beginning. I oh, thought that was a absolutely terrible action sequence um, that I hated. <laughs> and that did not set me up for success in this movie. <laughs> oh, interesting. That worked for me. I would did say, it? okay, here, I'm also going to say good tweet again. That scene, one thing I liked about that scene and what I liked about a lot in the movie is it the actual superpowers, um, it felt very X-Men, right? It felt like yeah. a group, you know, kind of forced to work together. They all have different powers and it's interesting to see how all those powers like play off of each other. I think that's always... I love a always... good varied superpower. Totally. It's always so much more exciting and interesting than one superhero with superpowers yep. in a fight yep. sequence. I agree with that. I felt like this the fight scene and this this might just be that the deviants suck. But um I I just felt like it was uninteresting. I feel like we got to learn about everybody's powers through the fight sequence. Yeah. Um but the point of the fight sequence um, felt very boring. I couldn't tell like the geography of it, of like where people were, who, uh, how many deviants there actually were in that fight sequence. I just didn't feel like it was a, a well-constructed action piece. And that might also be coming off of, uh, Shang-Chi who had a great opening action, a couple, like, yeah, totally. the whole, all the action sequences in that are great. So coming yeah. off of that, that's, that was, that's my new bar, I guess. Um, so it, this, this brought it down a lot. Yeah. Um, Okay, good tweet. I think the deviants looked cool. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? No, 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 no. they looked very bad. <laughs> Wait, I... how is this? Hang on, how are you doing all the good tweets and I'm doing all the bad tweets? When I watched this movie and you didn't. <laughs> I know. This is, this is the fun of our podcast. Um, yeah, no, no, the deviants were the worst part of this. They, I they were very. I, I liked that they were not like gross gray black monsters i like that they were had this like metallic colorful elegant nature to them to me they looked like cgi goop (laughs) interesting i did like the fact that they were i guess more colorful than they could have been and and other uh you know boring things that superheroes have fought in previous movies they were definitely more colorful than that but i i still just thought they were kind of uninteresting cgi goop okay um i have a bad tweet all right do it bad tweet. okay here we go bad tweet as soon as we got to present day 
the pacing was ruined. I just felt like, I mean, ultimately, I mean, here's where I will just say, there are so many elements in this movie I liked, but the biggest issue is, I think, the structure and the pacing. It feels like we jump into plot way too fast. We never really get a firm footing on where the plot is or where, or, or, um, there's not, there's not like a natural progression and decline. It's, it feels all over the place and short, sudden stops all over the place. Um, and I feel like that really immediately starts as soon as the present day stuff starts. Definitely. I agree. I think there's, um, an aspect of, of Klojo's movies in the past, which has like, it's all built, been built around pacing around stuff. That's, um, I think she's really figuring out as she's shooting, as she's kind of going along. And I don't think that works well in this type of movie. <laughs> if, if you're going to have uh, very quickly paced sections, you can't have these long, really luxur- luxuriating, luxuriating sections of the movie um, that are devoid of real character development, um, which I think is a huge problem in this movie. So bad tweet, the character development actually in this movie um is stifled and yeah. i think that comes down to some casting which we can get into in a second interesting okay yeah i definitely agree that like the there it doesn't feel like there is character development like um <laughs> at all and yeah. and that's really frustrating it's it's frustrating to watch it's not even just yeah. like disappointing it's like as you're watching it it's confusing. You don't know what you're watching because you don't see what where these characters have been and where they're ending up. Um, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, bad tweet. Bad tweet. My bad tweet. Um, having Cersei and Icarus be the main uh, relationship of this movie. Yeah. They are bad. so boring together. Yes. Not no chemistry. I can't even no, zero chemistry at all. I mean, also Gemma Chan doesn't have any chemistry with. Uh, What's his name? Either the other oh yeah love triangle guy um, right? He's yeah. So I I, I but I, I don't necessarily think it's her. I just, just do think these characters are uh, trash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me okay. Good tweet. Talk about chemistry though. Mm-hmm. I mean, the chemistry between Lauren Ridloff, who plays Makari, and Barry Cogan. Who plays Druig? Woo! So good. Off the charts. So good. So good. And they have so few scenes together. Yeah. Um, Like they really probably only have four or five scenes together in the entire movie. It's it's killer. It's killer. I the whole time I was like, why are we not watching these two people? (laughs) They so clearly should be the main characters. They're yeah. both so charismatic in their performances as individual characters. Mm-hmm. And then their chemistry together is so good. Um, Barry Cogan, I've always liked him and everything he's been in. Yeah. Um, Green Knight was the first time where I was ever really like, whoa, he's really mm. good. Like, yeah. really, really yeah. good. And then in yeah. this movie, man, I was blown away. <laughs> he's so charismatic. He's hot, which I don't think we've got to get to got to see him play like someone with swag before. No, yeah, yeah. Usually it, plays like weirdos or yes. <laughs> children. Yeah, so. it was intoxicating, and um, 
I can't wait to see more of him now. Like he is now yeah. on my like top of my to watch yeah. list. I also think they're like the things that make them interesting are like not not just their powers, but also the things that they believe. Like yeah. she is like she is so invested in going home and he is so not I wouldn't say so invested, but like he just believes so strongly that they should be stopping uh, wars and stuff on Earth. Like they should not they should not be allowing a lot of the stuff to happen. So because they have like these stronger beliefs i couldn't tell you what our main characters actually believe in like what 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 does cersei yeah. Empress, like want or need or uh care about <laughs> like no no clue but those two like there's so much conflict that can be generated by them just existing in this world that it it just isn't immediately fascinating to me. also between the barry kogan character the druig the Brian Tyree Henry Fastos character mm -hmm. and the Selma Hayek Ajak character, all of their conflicting belief systems about humanity and ethics, yep. so much potential there that was wasted. Yep. Like, 100%. really fascinating storytelling could have happened between those three characters, and we get such little tidbits of it. Um so frustrating that we missed out on that. I 100% agree. Like, um, if this movie got... It could have been pared down and not had as many characters that it had and just had those three characters. Um, I kept comparing this movie a lot to The Old Guard, you know, yeah. where, you, where you have of these course, characters yeah. that are eternal, right? And mm -hmm. how The Old Guard, I, you know, wasn't a perfect movie, but I felt so invested in those characters and the world building of them existing through all these times. And I kept wanting more of that in this movie. I definitely, I definitely think that with 10 characters, it's so difficult. Yeah. <laughs> 10 quote unquote main characters, I guess. It is very, very hard to actually let us, <laughs> um, know what's happening with any of these people yeah so um i will say good tweet again gilgamesh and athena yeah i love them together as well they also have more chemistry i could have <laughs> had right a there. whole separate movie about just them yeah yeah i also love angelina jolie being like 10th build i don't know like she's low on this list yeah um yeah i love her being a uh character actor in this movie and totally you can tell she is such a movie star and such an action hero that, like, anytime she starts – because she, she does her weapon things where she, like, uh, makes her own weapons in the air. Like, she just – but the, you get yeah. all these shots of her just, like, putting her hand out and a weapon appearing or, like, putting it behind her back and a weapon – like, all of this is just, like, it's about to go down. Like, every time you're, like, this, she is an elite warrior without yeah. a doubt. <laughs> She's so good. She also, like, seemed like she was having more fun than I've ever seen her have in a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Not not being the Selma Hayek. I think I, when I was cast, I expected her to be the Selma Hayek Sorry. character. And to have her not be the leader, to have her be this, like, kind of edgy and mysterious and um, complicated character, so interesting and fun. Yeah. I 100% agree. Okay. I have a bad tweet that really oh, no. hurts. No, he's so good in it, though. <laughs> bad tweet. I don't think Kumail is bad in this movie, but I think that the character and the writing of all of his scenes is very bad. 
Okay, here's here's what I think. <laughs> I think he is a great character who got a lot of his scenes chopped from this movie. Very possible. Um, I think his character, I won't even call it an arc, his character story doesn't make sense in this movie. No. At all. I think it's an interesting concept, and Chloe Jaw has talked about the fact of how, how interested she is in someone saying, I agree with this side of the argument, but I'm not going to go against my family for this. Totally. I'm not going to take any action. Uh, some, yeah. Someone who chooses no action at all, I think is an interesting character that we have not seen in a Marvel movie before. Right. I think you have to build that up, though. <laughs> I think, yeah. I think we have to get to that point and understand why he's making that decision and uh, also understand what that means for him and his future. My biggest issue – My, I agree with everything you just said. My biggest issue with his character and his scenes is that they were the main source of comedy in this movie, and I don't think mm -hmm. any of those jokes land. And Ooh. we know that Kumail is an incredibly funny, gifted, talented, comedic, like, voice. I know that Kumail is funny, and I know that he can pull off comedy. So I don't blame Kumail for this in any way, because we, we know what he can do. I don't think any of those scenes were funny, or any of those jokes worked. And to me, that is the fault of... A combination of the writing and the pace and the and I just don't know if Chloe I love Chloe Zha, but I don't know that I've never seen her do comedy. You I, know? There hasn't been a joke in any of her movies, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know and and comedic timing in movies is a very particular skill. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think it can just be easily like bullshitted. I agree. And I think that shows in this movie. I agree. I don't think all of his stuff failed. I, I do think I do think there was a lot of stuff that he did in this movie that was funny. But I also think there were many points where you could tell that this did not work. <laughs> yeah. I think the, uh, the all of the jokes with the human camera guy. Yeah. I valet. think that was the, the stuff that was the hardest for me. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, Interesting. Okay. I, I, I felt pained every time it was referenced. Every time we saw him shooting something or it would cut to, like, the camera lens view, uh, I was cringing. Yeah. Well, you win some, you lose some, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, bad tweet. Uh, Sprite. Yeah. Chloe Jaw has a, um affinity for non-actors. And I think it really works in the movies that she's made in the past. Yeah. Um, using them to really flesh out the world and make the world feel feel real because these are real people who are embodying those things. Casting a 12-year-old um, as an Eternal um, is not a lived experience. And so having someone who hasn't acted before uh, can't do that. <laughs> I didn't have a ton of a problem with the actor. I had a problem with the storyline I thought was very weird and confusing and not earned. Um, Agreed. Yeah. I, I don't understand why – I feel like it came out of nowhere that this character wanted to be a human and couldn't grow up and was frustrated by that. It feels Definitely. like if these people have lived for 7,000 years, that like the idea that one of them is in a body that looks like a 12-year-old would not matter. Like they would be so – like their thought thinking would be so beyond that, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think that they, they would care. It wouldn't matter to them at all. It would be like, like, 
Third Rock for the from the Sun. Didn't Joseph Gordon-Levitt play like yeah. a, was like a a twelve year old playing like an old character, right? Yep. And yep. everyone doesn't they don't act like he's a twelve year old. Like they all acknowledge like it's just understood like oh you're in this body that is technically younger. Yeah. It's a human young body, but your mind and spirit are what matter, right? And they did make a lot of jokes like she was twelve, which yeah. did feel weird. Like. It's weird. It would make sense if all the humans did that, you know? Right. And, and like, but to have her family, the people who have been with her for thousands of years. And they're all the <laughs> same age. Making jokes like she's 12. They're yeah. all exactly yeah. the same age. And then the whole thing of her being in love with Icarus, but Icarus never being able to love her, I guess, implied because she was in a child's body. It was just very weird. And yeah. I didn't like it. Bodies are just something when you're when you when yeah. you've been around that long. Like it doesn't matter, right. you know, of, at all. Also, like her wanting to like grow up and be a human yeah. felt out of nowhere. It and did feel out of left field. Yeah. It also it felt very strange for that to be the ending story for her character when the Brian Tyree Henry character has a husband and a son like of all the characters to want to be a human and want to like age that's the one who should want it right Mm -hmm. especially going that long not getting married and having kids like to then eventually decide to do that you know seven thousand and to know that like like that's that's a huge step and that means something has opened up inside of him that he's decided to you know embrace and we didn't get any of that, and he just goes off at the end on his, you know, new journey. <laughs> like it, It's just so strange. There was just a lot of very strange choices. I think yeah. everything about the ending was confusing. Um, yes. I think it was really confusing to have a Marvel character essentially, like, kill themselves as, like... Dude, an, a- I... Wasn't sure if that actually happened. Did he die? That's, I guess, <laughs> how I interpret it. Yeah, that's how I interpreted it. At I, first, I, I thought he left. I thought that was, like, his, like, shortcut. I'm just going to fly through the sun instead of around it. But Oh, no. I to guess me, he did die. I interpreted it, I mean, it, that as, like, he felt so much pain at yeah. his thing not being, his, his goal not being accomplished and also his betrayal of his loved ones that he just yes. decided to end it all. And... I understand the complications of it's really like, what do you do with a villain like that? Like, how do you end things for them? You know, Mm -hmm. Um, that's a hard like thing to figure out. But I still also think that in these movies, what ultimately is suicide is a strange and dark choice. Um, Yes. Yeah. To not address it fully. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I think I didn't understand why some of them left on the spaceship and some of them were taken by the big celestial Yep, and not Same. all of them. I did not. Also, it seemed like which ones were taken. It was um, Cersei, uh, Fastos and Kingo. Oh, and Sprite. No, no, Sprite didn't get taken because she got so. Cersei, See, I thought it, I thought it was Cersei fast. I thought it was Cersei, Kingo, and Sprite because the three of them were together at that scene. Remember, they didn't take Sprite. Yeah, they didn't. I remember specifically, they did not okay. take Sprite, but they did take Fastos. They did take Fastos. Yes. Okay, interesting. Um, 
Yeah, it was all very weird. There was just like a lot of weird choices that yeah. were hard to follow. Um, to me, this and this, I mean, this this happens at the end of every Marvel movie, but I think because this didn't have a full uh, character arc or like real storyline, I think um, it felt more dramatic. But setting up whatever comes next, so them going off on their own, um, sure like uh the the mid credits and post credit scenes like all that just feels like yeah. set up for whatever comes next but usually it's post we get some kind of uh cathartic ending <laughs> yeah which we didn't get um there. okay good tweet i was obsessed with all of the styling in this movie um yeah. i think the costumes throughout the whole movie are really beautiful um mm. i love I really liked what they did with most of the CGI in this movie. All of the gold was really, I think, exciting and pretty. Um, I love that Druig was, like, kind of in a dress. I loved that, um, like, Kingo, I think, was styled super, like, suave and beautiful. Um, I just loved, I love this. Even the Sprite character was always wearing, like, cool sunglasses, just, like, Visually, so much in this movie worked for me. Of course, yeah. like, um, this, this, I think a lot of the cinematography was stunning in a way that we don't usually get in Marvel movies. And that was one of the things I was the most excited about. Yeah. Um, I think what all the things that I'm mad about this movie, I'm so frustrated by about them because there was so much potential. There was so much beauty. There was so much, um, interesting story potential and plot lines um i i was gonna say good tweet having the end fight be on the beach at sunset like that is yeah that's the most uh interesting place that we've had one of these ending fights like yeah it did look it looked real it looked real um unlike the cgi mess that usually happens at the end of a marvel movie um and i i love that about it good tweet i love that this movie feels like it incorporated lots of people from all over the world, like lots of mm -hmm. cultures and ethnicities and locations. Um, is there, are there, I guess they're the only scenes that I can remember in America are like Selma Hayek is in South Dakota, I guess. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe Brian Tyree Henry is, I guess his house is in America, but very, very few scenes in America, you know, which is pretty rare for a Marvel mm -hmm. movie. Um, yeah. At least a Marvel movie set on Earth. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it, that is, I, there was so much potential here. I think um, that's what I liked about it is that there was so much potential being set up. Yeah. Um, I think, I think I'm still disappointed for all the ways that it could have gone that would have been, that would have made it so much better. Um, yeah. But I think for me, it definitely feels better to do a big swing um, than to not. I that's guess. true. I agree with that. It made me wish, I mean, I think that this is an impossible thing that Marvel could never really let happen. But what I wish we could have gotten was this movie um, without the need for as much plot as these movies have to have. And if Chloe Zhao could have um, focused on fewer characters and taken her time the way that we know she's good at doing. And yeah. I just think of like so many of those scenes in nomad land with like characters just talking to each other. And like, that's yeah. just the scene. 
and mean, she's a character person. Right. And how cool it could have been to get have characters that have lived for 7,000 years to just sit and talk for long extended periods of time. And we That's all don't... I want, whereas a Marvel movie is 90% just people sitting and talking. You know, that's yes, what I, I, I would I know. love to see that. Yes, give me a link later. Marvel film. <laughs> give me a real <laughs> yes. Chloe Zhao Marvel film, right? Um, so what, what would you say... Oh, sorry, finish. No, 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 that's it. Go ahead. Okay. So what would you say to a... Um, if this had been on a Disney plus TV show, that was 10 episodes um, each, you know, not necessarily each focusing on a character, but you get that time to kind of learn yeah. more about them and see more time with the flashbacks um, of, you know, it, it could be like a lost style show where you get um, them in the present and then them flashing back to, you know, experiences in the past that kind of thematically tie into what they're dealing with now that kind of stuff i think i like the idea of having more time with all of these characters mm -hmm. my concern is that if this is a series it doesn't get the budget that a story like yeah, this requires yeah yep. to get those beautiful ocean shots to get to travel all over the world in the way that this movie gets to do um yeah. you need a lot of money and I don't think yeah. people give series enough money to accomplish that. Um, my last bad tweet. Okay. I don't think they should have hidden the fact that Icarus was the bad guy. <laughs> Interesting. I think this this comes back to like the whole suspense versus surprise thing mm -hmm. um, of the Alfred Hitchcock quote. Um, if you put a bomb under a table and it goes <laughs> off in the middle of a conversation in a movie, that's a surprise. If you show the audience that the, that there's a bomb under the table while people are having a conversation, that's suspense. Yeah. And we got a surprise and when right. we should have had suspense. And that would make his character more interesting if this whole time we realize that he is betraying them, betray slash betrayed to them. Um, and he's trying and he's and because he is dealing with his um not necessarily regret, but his like fear and his um shame and conviction all like all of that is happening throughout this movie we just don't know about it we don't get it which makes him just a blank slate of a character so when it, all that we do learn all that stuff it doesn't make it better it doesn't make us like retroactively think oh we like this character now or he's an interesting character now it's just a surprise this character was so bland like yeah. i i can't even i'm really actually kind of quite shocked at how bland of a character he was and We've both seen Richard Madden be very good in things. Like, oh yeah, I don't understand how he felt so wooden in this char in this in this character. I think they can't um, let this character do anything without giving away, you know, the the quote unquote surprise. So he truly just has to show up and say very stilted <laughs> dialogue. I would have been very into the it still being a surprise if you had actually made this character someone that we like loved um and you'd given him a personality and if he had chemistry with Gemma Chan and you have all that build up and then you have the surprise I think it could have been super effective yeah. but instead we had a very bland wooden character that I didn't really feel anything towards and then there was the surprise of him betraying and so you're just kind of like oh okay I guess he's yeah. bad question mark like yeah. it would have been so much more interesting to see a character like wrestle with his divine purpose versus like his love for his family we didn't see yeah. any wrestling with that right 
Yep. It just felt so all of a sudden. Yeah. I don't know. There was just so much more that could have been done here. I, to me, it's all, there's, this is, for me, this is the Marvel movie with the absolute most potential. Um, yeah. And I really, 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 really wanted it to be better. <laughs> yeah. But I still enjoyed what I got out of it. Yeah. I will enjoy this movie in like edited fan clips. Like I will <laughs> watch yeah. the Druig scenes over and over. I will, you know, if someone could edit this movie down into just the charming moments, I would enjoy that. But yeah, as a whole, I found this very rough. I wanted to ask you, were you able to go unspoiled um, for the Harry Styles reveal? I was. Um, yeah, I had no idea. And so when he walked out in the theaters, I actually said, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I was aware of that going in, that that was going to yeah. be the case. Um, the group, I, I was sitting near a large group of guys in my screening of this movie. And mm -hmm. I saw this movie like, you know, a week after it had been out. So not like opening night when people right. would be really surprised but the guys next to me apparently had not heard and they were <laughs> very vocally displeased that oh <laughs> to see harry styles in their marvel movie let me tell you they were mad about it and wow. it was an interesting reaction to be near i of course am very excited about it i want to know what you think of harry styles being cast as a major marvel character i liked him in dunkirk i think he's gonna be a great he's good he's gonna be great as an eternal um you know whenever that happens i think i was mostly unsure of like what is he what is he doing here what is like what's his role um because all of that is stuff i don't know um but i'm excited i think he's gonna be yeah. fantastic so have you have you googled his character at all? Like, do you know like the comic book wise, like what his character's deal is? I found out he's the brother of Thanos, which is weird. <laughs> he's the brother of Thanos. His name is Eros, and he's sort of like a comic book version of like a uh, a god of pleasure. So his whole superpower is that he can make people feel like immense amounts of pleasure. So it's very, like, suggestive. Um, and, you know, it's very Cupid-like. It's very yeah. Aphrodite. It's, um, and I think that's really great casting to have Harry it's... Styles play that character. Yeah, I think that's fantastic casting. I'm sure it'll be super toned down for wherever sure. he shows up. But <laughs> Yeah, of course. I, I don't think they'll yeah. be explicit, but yeah. I do think that, like, he is just incredibly charming and charismatic. And yeah. I think it's really smart for them to have him play a role where he gets to be cheeky and flirty and like play to his strengths. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Um, yeah. So I, I'm excited to see more of him. Here's the thing. I would, if there's another Eternals movie, do we want Chloe Jaw to direct again? I'm I think torn. how I feel about her is like Marvel movies are are Coca-Cola and every time, you know, they they do a new flavor, they do cherry Coke, they do vanilla Coke, they do vanilla cherry Coke. And it's all this like, ooh, fun. Like, let's see these different types of Coke. I think Chloe Jaw is not interested in Coke. I think she wants to make something else. <laughs> she wants Sprite. Yeah. And 
I just think it's not going to be a good relationship to continue to like force these two things together. Yeah. I'm trying to think of who would tell this story in a way that would blend this blockbuster nature of these Marvel movies with the cinema that I want from this kind of potential that the potential I think these stories have. Um, And it's cliched, but the, the name coming to mind is Ryan Johnson. I mean, here's the deal. Ryan Johnson can do absolutely anything he sets his mind to. Sure. So if he wanted to make a Marvel movie, I think he would be perfect for this. I also think he cares so much about character in a way that would really work for a movie like this. And getting at the essence of a big cast is also something that he can do. Yeah. So I think he would be absolutely perfect for this. I think Ryan Johnson, in addition to, like you said, caring about character, managing big casts, he's proven that he handles humor well that these mm-hmm. Marvel movies need, right? Um, not No Marvel movie, like, lacks humor, right? Like, they always attempt yep. to infuse it with that. Um, but Ryan Johnson also is a director that cares about ideas. Like, not just characters, but like big ideas and what those yeah. stories are saying about those ideas. And that is not usually the, the case for most Marvel movies. Um, I think they can care about story and they can care about character, but few of them I think have something to say about a large concept. And Ryan Johnson's someone who can do it all in that, in that sense. And I don't need that for all of the Marvel movies, but for something like this that deals with spirituality in a sense, that's what I do need for this one. Yeah. So someone like him is, is who I think they really need to find. I love it. I think it's a great idea. I think the only other person that I would suggest would be Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah. Taylor <laughs> Swift's Eternals. Here's the thing though. Taylor Swift's Eternals would have much better romance and chemistry than this one it would. did. It would. <laughs> it would be she 90% romance and chemistry. She would definitely nail that. And I think she'd nail the casting as well. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, Anything else that we have to say about Eternals? No. I think this is uh, that's a great moment for us to start talking about Taylor. I agree. Taylor Swift. Here we come. Are we ready to talk about I'm Taylor Swift? I'm always ready to talk about Taylor Swift. <laughs> I'm, I'm like talking, speaking of MCU, it's like, that's my Hulk line. It's like, that's my secret. Yeah, I'm always yeah, yeah. ready <laughs> to talk about Taylor Swift. Oh, man. Okay. So Taylor Swift, I actually didn't look this up. Who, what's the, what's, what's, what's her deal? Um, <laughs> Wait, hold on. What's her deal? <laughs> that's your, Let me only, Google that's your what main Taylor question. Swift's deal is. No, 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 no. Who is the company that, or the, the that she's, uh, the conflict? Her old record label? Her old yes. record What's label? Record label. There we go. That's the word I'm looking for. is Big Machine Records. Yes, Big they Machine Records. sold okay. her masters to Scooter Braun, and then Scooter yes. Braun sold her masters to Shamrock Holdings. That's right. Okay, that's what I was trying to, f- f- like, Google, was, like, the, the track that all of that has been on. So, basically, right. she's been locked in the battle trying to get access to her own songs. Um, she owns the songs themselves. They the own the recordings. Mm-hmm. She yes, owns yes. the copyright to the she, compositions. Compositions. They own the copyrights to the recordings. To the master recordings, yep. To the, yes. 
So to fully regain control of her work, she right now is remaking six of her albums from scratch. Um, and this week, she dropped the second of these re-releases. Um, it's her version of the 2012 album, Red. So in addition to the re-recorded versions of the songs that are, were already on this album, she's recorded some songs that were from the vault, you know, that didn't make the cut um, almost a decade ago. <laughs> as well as um, she's uh, come out with some music videos for some of these songs as well. So we've already seen her do this for Fearless. Um, I would love to know what you thought of this re-release with Taylor's version of Red. Well, this re-release has been so much more interesting than the Fearless re-release because um, one, she's put so much more promotional effort and content out in relation to this release than with Fearless. With Fearless, it also had songs from the vault, but as far as I remember, there weren't any music videos released. There wasn't a big no. promo lead up. Um, it was kind of, it was released very quickly. It was like all of a sudden, Fearless is here, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and I think one, Taylor Swift is like kind of figuring out what methods she's going to do for these re-releases, like what her PR strategy is going to be. But also, Red was so much more important, I think, to the Taylor Swift universe than Fearless was, right? Like, yeah. many, many Taylor Swift fans still to this day think Red is her, her best album. Yeah. Um, Fearless was the end of her kind of three-album country run, and Red right. was the first one that felt like, okay, I am mainstream. It's the first time she worked with Max Martin and crew. She started to do some pop stuff. Um, and yeah, exactly. Like you said, like some people still think that Red, not us, but some people think that yeah. Red is her best album. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And so it's been, I've been very excited about this re-release, um, especially because of all of the promotional efforts she's been putting behind it. The, the buildup has really been exciting and to be a part of when you're debt following this like Swifty fandom, the buildup really is intoxicating. Um, and it's made me even more excited for this than I probably normally would have been because I like Red, but I don't have the connection to Red that I think a lot of people do. Um, it's it's not my favorite Taylor Swift album. There are definitely songs on it that I love, but it's not an album that I've sat with start to finish before. Um, and so what I was most excited about coming into this, you know, release was the promise of the 10 minute version of all too well. Um, for anyone who <laughs> doesn't know all too well is, um, a song off of the album red that a lot of people in the Taylor Swift fandom consider to be the best song she's ever written. It's, um, a really important piece in her catalog. And, um, the legend of the song is that she, when she wrote it, it was, I've heard some, I've heard some like reports that it was a 30 minute song that she cut down to a, a 10 minute version and then cut down to a five minute version. I've heard others saying it was a 10 to 15 minute version originally. And so people have, because this song has become so popular, people have always like wondered what was cut, you know, what was, what is a 10 minute version of the best song Taylor Swift has ever written look like? Um... And I was one of those people. And so that was, when this was coming out, I was excited about new music from the vault. Um, but the 10 minute version, like that was where my mind was. My eye was on the prize in that sense. All right. 
I was more coming into it. I was more interested in some of the collaborations. Um, mm. She re-recorded songs that she had written for other bands. Um, Better Man and Babe were both um, very country songs that were eventually recorded by Little Big Town and Sugarland, respectively. Um, but she, but they were written by by Taylor Swift, and so I was excited to hear her versions of those, as well as the collaborations that she did with Phoebe Bridgers, Chris Stapleton, um, and Carrie Lightbody from Snow Patrol. Less so Ed, Ed Sheeran. I was I <laughs> yeah. saw that coming and was not not pumped about it. But those were the ones I was I was most excited for going into it. I didn't know that there was going to be a ten minute long <laughs> cut oh, of All Too Well on God. this album until it dropped. Lucas, and boy, I was can't I happy! <laughs> you didn't know that. I don't know how I missed it. I have absolutely no idea. But <laughs> wow, it's so funny, Lucas, because. I I love talking about Taylor Swift with you. Um, I love like the perspective you bring. Um, one as a man because everyone that I know that likes Taylor Swift as much as we do is is a woman, mm -hmm. and like I typically am talking about women with Taylor about Taylor Swift with women. Um, but then also as a musician, so like I love hearing your thoughts on Taylor Swift stuff. But it is also so funny to talk about her with you because you are so removed from yeah. <laughs> the Taylor Swift conversation that I'm a part of online. Yes. Um, yes. And it's fascinating to find out what you know and what you don't know. I know so little yeah. <laughs> about everything. Um, I just found out that All Too Well is apparently about um, Jake Gyllenhaal, <laughs> which was not on my radar in it's any way, so shape, or form. Funny. It's so, so funny. I'm excited to talk more like about that. Common <laughs> it's knowledge a for a it's decade. Been a decade. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody knows this. <laughs> yeah. I'll never forget when we talked about Evermore and there's that one song that she has where she kind of references a bunch of different relationships. And yes. I listed all the celebrity relationships it's referencing in one song. And you were yeah. kind of like, this is information overload. Yeah. I don't keep track of who she dates, mostly because it just is uh... – it's like watching a car crash each time. So I'm just like, I'm not interested in any of it. Sure, sure. So, so in the aftermath, in, you know, watching, you know, this play out is very fun to see. But yeah. I just, uh, I, to me, this is exactly what it feels like to explain, um, you know, popular stuff to your parents is people explaining <laughs> Taylor Swift to me. So. Sure. So I want to know when the album was released, what was your listening strategy? Did you stay up for the album release? Did you listen to it the next day? What was, how did you approach this? I'm a next day listen kind of person, yeah. um, for sure. And I uh, planned originally <laughs> to listen to it, you know, front to back, um, until I saw that there was a 10 minute version of All Too Well on there. So I immediately jumped to that. That was my first listen. And then after listening to that, um, I listened to the whole thing. As soon as I'd listened to the whole thing, I saw that there was a music video. I, would you even call it a music video? Short film? She's calling um, it a short film. Yeah. She's calling it a short film. To me, it feels like a short film. Um, a short film of All Too Well, which I watched. Um, and then today, as we record, uh, she released the... This, to me, feels more like a music video, right? Is she calling this a short film? This is a, this is a music video. Yeah. This is hard to keep track of. Um, she released the music video for... Oh, what's it called? It is... I Bet You Think About Me. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't stay up when she released it at midnight Eastern. Um, but Correct. then as things have been coming out, you've just kind of been keeping up immediately. Yes. Yeah. And I've listened to, I've now listened to the, the album, I think twice through fully, um, but okay. I've spent much more time on the vault tracks and stuff like that. Sure. I stayed up 
and for the release. Ooh. Very excited. Like on the edge of my seat. Um, I she was on both Jimmy Kimmel and Seth Meyers that night, so I I watched both of those as they aired live. Um, I then as the album was released, I started with um the ten minute all too well. I listened to that twice through. Then I listened to all the vault tracks. Um, then I went to bed. I was like, I can listen to the re-recordings, you know, later. That's not pressing, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I listened to like a couple of them that I was, you know, super interested in, but mostly yeah. I was like, I'll do a full listen later on. Um, then on Friday, the moment that the short film was live, I watched the short film probably twice. Um, and then Saturday morning, um, I had a friend drop off a Starbucks Taylor Swift latte because Starbucks was offering <laughs> a specialty Taylor Swift latte this weekend. Um, so I had a friend pick me one up. I was like, I'm going to really do it to the max. And I, it was a beautiful November day. Um, the leaves have all changed colors in my neighborhood. And I went for a really, really long walk and just listened to the album start to finish. And I really just kind of settled into it and, and gotten to the spirit of the album. That is absolutely amazing. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it was it was lovely. It was a lovely morning. <laughs> yeah. I would love to hear your thoughts um, since this didn't happen with Fearless. I would love to hear your thoughts on the build up to it, all the press she did about around this um, and just kind of the, the more um, – uh, I mean, collaboration with Starbucks, the whole money-making opportunity that this is. What What are your feelings around that? I mean, I, as much as I love Taylor Swift because I love Taylor Swift music, but second to that, I am fascinated with Taylor Swift as the way that she uses her celebrity and the machine of the Taylor Swift industry. Um, I think... The way, like, how ambitious she is, is fascinating to me. Um, so, and then also, as someone who, like, really loves to geek out about Taylor Swift on TikTok or, you know, Twitter, it's fun to get excited with fans. Um, unlike with Fearless, she didn't pre-release any singles. You know, like, with Fearless, I think she put out Love Story before mm -hmm. the album came out. Um, she didn't do that with Red, so we didn't really get any teases of this album um before it was released there was there was a few like tiny little clips of snippets of music but not any full songs um so there was a lot of build-up there was a lot of excitement on tiktok theorizing about things theorizing also i think with taylor especially the past you know two years there's also been the question of like she could just drop anything at any moment. So even though she says <laughs> yeah. she's releasing Red Taylor's version on November 12th, you're like, what if she also just decides to throw in 1989? Or like, what if there's a new album coming in December? <laughs> you know, like there's the possibilities always seem endless. And so that's also been really fun to just um, imagine like what could be coming. Yeah, I definitely I. I love that about Taylor Swift is the idea that, like you said, anything could happen at any moment, yeah. um, which is not uh, – you can't say that about most artists, I feel like. And someone at her her level being able to do that I think is so much fun. Yeah. So I – yeah, I'm 100% on board um, with that. 
So I really want to know, I think we should really first start and talk about all too, the all too well 10 minute version and how you felt when you okay. heard it the first time. Uh, I loved it. I think, I think for me, it does feel like a real song. My, my worry about it was that it would feel like, uh, like you chopped this up for a reason. Like this, yeah. this, this, like you, you just got down to the good parts, which I, I, I do think happened. I do think the best part of that song. Um, is the one that's in the re- the actual recording. Mm-hmm. But I think the parts that were left out are still at a very, very high level and really, really work together in this whole thing. Um, my fear is that it would – you you would get these long stretches that are just uh, padding, that are just kind of filler. Um, yeah, or right. Worse, tying what really should be two songs together into one song. Oh, um, interesting. And it's not that. Um, that's, 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 I think what's happened other places with, with people kind of releasing longer versions of it. It's like, oh, you wrote some other verses, possibly a bridge that really don't tie to this. Maybe thematically they do, but like musically, it feels like a different song. This feels like one true song that is 10 minutes. Um, and I didn't feel like I'd spent 10 minutes listening to a song. It, yeah. it it really is, I think, a masterpiece in songwriting. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm curious, I'm curious how much has changed from that because again we haven't heard this version of it so I'm, I'm curious if this is exactly what that song was a decade ago <laughs> or if she's massaged it over the years right i have that same question about definitely about this song and then also some of the from the vault songs where yes, yes. you know i think the the PR line is that these were songs and these were Mm -hmm. lyrics written back when she was 21 22 years old and um I I, I agree with that that most mostly that is the case but even the fact that she's tweaked some of her lyrics of the songs that were released makes me feel like there's got to be some tweaking that's gone on sure I think that I think it's there has to be some tweaking and I don't I don't criticize that but as someone who's obsessed I do yeah I do want to know what was and what wasn't, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, (laughs) Yes. I think one of the main lines that people, I think, are the most suspicious of is in the new, the 10-minute version of All Too Well, Mm -hmm. there is a reference to a fuck the patriarchy keychain. Yes. And you were tossing me the car keys, fuck the patriarchy keychain on the ground. We were always skipping town. And there's a lot of questions about whether in 2011 that would have been a thing that existed yeah. you know um agreed <laughs> yeah um so so that is an interesting question um when i listened to it i similarly was really nervous because with all, almost any from the vault material i my concern is always that if it was good enough it would have made the album yeah you know yep it kind of just kind of comes down to that right that if yep. the song was really good it would have been on the album she wouldn't have left it off um mm-hmm. and so i was nervous about the 10 minute version falling into that um yeah i don't think it does at all i think it's so so good i, I it it astounds me how good it is as a 10 minute version um what i think is really fascinating though is that you're right. It doesn't feel like two separate songs. It feels like one cohesive song, but it is definitely changes a lot of the messaging from the original cut. Um, mm-hmm. I think when you listen to the original cut, it feels like a, a, a song about a relationship 
that had high highs and low lows, but ultimately, like, it's about someone who will always remember this monumental relationship in their life, right? And they're saying, and I, I know you will too, because it meant a lot to me. I'm sure it meant a lot to you. And, you know, we know, and people who know anything about pop culture know it was about Jake Gyllenhaal. You know, there were some people that would be like, anti-Jake Gyllenhaal in kind of a playful way, right? Like, anyone who breaks the heart of someone you loved, you're kind of like, oh, <laughs> fuck that guy. But not yeah. but not in a serious way. Not in yeah. a way that, like, as if he had done something really wrong to her, right? The 10-minute version paints such a different picture. And it's fascinating to zoom out and see what that 10-minute version, what the messaging is in that, where... This version of the song has a lot more bitterness and pain and frustration in it, right? And mm -hmm. I really am blown away with the way that Taylor Swift is able to make a song that I think calls out the pain that she suffered from a relationship and specifically, like very specifically, the lyrics call out the effects of the age difference in that relationship um, yeah. and how she's able to do that. And I don't think it, I don't think it villainizes Jake Gyllenhaal or like the sub, you know, whoever the song is about quote unquote. Right. Um, but I think it is, doesn't shy away from calling out the harm that she suffered, you know, and like yeah. really, I, that's one of the things I've always loved about Taylor Swift is her bravery and the way that she doesn't shy away from calling that kind of stuff out. It makes her song so fun and visceral. And yeah, she doesn't miss. She doesn't, she doesn't miss she, whatever shots she takes. She, she gets them. I think something interesting in listening to this version um, and honestly, the entire album is that like her voice sounds different now than it sure. did, you know, 10 years ago. And so listening to her singing this now, I think one, I think she has more control over her voice. Um, and I think she actually sounds better. <laughs> um, but I think she also is able to act through, through her singing more in a way mm -hmm. that like she can actually uh, project the emotions that she's wanting to, you know, to feel through this, which is always something that she's been able to do. I just think she's, you know, she's better at it now <laughs> and yeah. that gives that on a lot of her songs that she's released on this album uh it just gives it more heart it, it makes it deeper um it you know you you feel it more now um than on than on the previous recordings did were you able did you go back and listen to any of them side by side uh yeah there are a few of them i would say the ones that i did go back and listen to were the ones where I think in a lot of this album, I do agree with you that, like, her voice is stronger. I think she, one of the things that I love about Taylor Swift is that, like, she just gets better and better as she ages. Yeah. You know, like, um, what we can talk about this more when we talk about the song Nothing New. But there's, I think, a general fear, especially that women celebrity have, that, like, your golden years are your young years, right? And that, Yeah. And... Taylor Swift, every year she gets older, she gets smarter, her writing gets better, her voice gets better, her vision as a creative, as a, like, a director of her, you know, output, I think gets stronger, mm -hmm. and 
so I, I feel that about a lot of the stuff on this album. However, the times when I did go back and compare side by side the original songs to the re-recorded I mean, um, Taylor's version songs were the times when I felt like something was missing, that I, I missed the original version. And I went back to them to find out what was it that I'm missing, you know? Yeah. Um, the things, the, the examples that are coming to mind are um, I Knew You Were Trouble. Mm -hmm. Such a banger of a song. Taylor says maybe first, like, I would say banger. Like, yep. so, so good. And I think the re-recorded version is still good. I'm not mad at it. But there are small little details in the production that make it sound a little bit more 2021. And a little less 2012. Those, I, I, I miss those little production, those things that kind of set it in that time period. I also think there's something about the, the rage you feel as a 21 year old that is hard to recreate as a yeah. 32 year old, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I notice, uh, I, I, I call it an oomph. Like in that song, there's a little oomph that's missing. The other one is We Are Never Getting Back Together. Yep. I think similarly, it's missing a little bit of the oomph, but most importantly, I don't. I think it wouldn't be a Taylor album without a baffling choice, and <laughs> <laughs> the baffling choice on Red Taylor's version is whatever she and her producers did with the Wee's on "We Are Never Getting Back Together." Do you know what I'm yep. talking about? Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's uh, it's so bad that it's almost. I almost feel. Like someone left out a layer of audio and accidentally published the wrong version. Like it can't, it doesn't, it can't feel intentional to me because it's so off. What happened, Lucas? So from when I listened to, when I was comparing them and uh, this is coming from someone who is not a musician who doesn't understand audio engineering. So a very untrained ear, but it sounds like, and to me in the original version that there was multiple voices or her voice multiplied yeah. and this one sounds like her in a chipmunk voice singular yes that's exactly what it is it's it's the layering difference um yeah. this is i think one of the only downsides of her voice getting better when yeah. you layer when, when you have more vocal control and you layer your own voice it stops sounding like multiple voices starts sounding just like a a, a robot mm, <laughs> because because you're so good at that vocal control you are literally saying the exact same thing with the exact same timing with the exact same um, inferences every single time whereas when she's younger it feels like a gang vocals it feels like a chorus right whereas this is just her singing it multiple times exactly the same so it is one of those things that i think technically is better because that's what you're going for when you're singing it that way but when you when you listen to it and when you when, it, when you have a hit that big that everybody knows every little uh, you know, vocal tick that's in the song, it sounds different and it's less impactful. Yeah. I mean, also she is a little more nasal on that take, but I think it's mostly the gang vocals. <laughs> yeah. It's very jarring. It's the only thing I think on the album that is that's jarring. That, like, I'm, I, to me, to me, that wasn't jarring to me. To, to me, it was just like, uh, but I, 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 I'm surprised that that's the thing that, that you're calling out as oh. like being like, wow, that is huge. It, <laughs> for me, it, it truly is huge. Like I wow. don't, 
It to the point where I don't think I can listen to this version. I think I have to listen to the original yeah. still. To me, it is one of those. I will. I I I feel you on that. Like I will probably always listen to the uh, original of this one because, like you said, it feels very twenty twenty one. It does not yeah. feel like two thousand twelve, yeah. and that's that's what I'm looking for from that, from that song. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I I think you you called out the two that I would call out as as the ones that like felt like they were missing something. Is I knew you were trouble. Um, we're never ever getting back together. And twenty two. So really, her hits. I yeah. think the ones that I probably well, listened to the most off of this, besides all too well, um, are her bigger, poppier ones that were very twenty twelve. Like. And I think a lot of the I, instrumentation in that are is very specific to that time. Were those also the ones that Max Martin produced? Those are the ones he definitely yeah. wrote all three of those with her. I don't know if he originally produced them. I think what I've heard is that like he isn't involved in the production on these, you know, yeah, Taylor's versions. And I think he's such a genius that those tiny little details that he adds to these to his music, you're re- the that's where you're missing mm-hmm. him, you know. Um, yeah. which makes me really a little bit nervous about a 1989 re-release <laughs> because 1989 yeah. is my favorite Taylor Swift album and that's a big Max Martin album. And it makes me wonder, is that one going to be too hard to recreate? I can't, I'm, yeah. I'm, can't wait to find out. Um, <laughs> yeah, I do want to make sure that we talk about, um, the, from the vault songs. Um, yes, let's do other it. than just the 10 minute all too well. I'm sure we kind of agree on this because because I feel like I know you. But (laughs) what's your favorite? Oh, boy. It's yeah, it's too easy. Nothing new is my favorite. I've had too much to drink tonight. And I know it's sad, but this is what I think about. And I wake up in the middle of the night. It's like I can feel time moving. It's something that I feel like I have a lot of qualms with it, actually, because I have there's there's a lot of problems that I feel like with, that's with this song. But it feels like a song that uh, she would have written recently and that would have that could have ended up on one of her uh, newer albums. Um, I love it. I wish Phoebe Bridgers had more to do on that song. That's a really interesting take. Is that your only problem or was there other issues that you have with the song that you mentioned reference? I think, I think musically it's not as interesting as it could be. I think, I mean, it is like a softer song. Um, and it feels very, it, it, it feels like something that actually Phoebe Bridgers would, would, would play. Um, not like a song that Taylor Swift would play. <laughs> um, so it feels like Taylor is doing all the singing on a Phoebe Bridgers song. Um, and I wish Phoebe Bridgers, it was a true, I feel like it was a, if it was a true duet, um, I feel like it would be very, very good. I think the song itself lyrically to me is what's very interesting about it and why it's one of my favorites. Um, just the, uh, talking about like growing up in the industry as a woman um, is not something that Taylor has talked a ton about. Um, and especially on, <laughs> you know, her older stuff. Um, and so like hearing that from that perspective of like a younger person um, at the time is interesting to me. And so that song I think is, is lyrically pretty genius. Um, musically it doesn't, I don't feel like it keeps up with the lyrics. I was blown away by this song and, and I, I, 
I was focusing on the lyrics, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the lyrics are just one of the greatest things that she's ever created, I think. <laughs> it's, <laughs> so. it's really good. I, I'm I'm choosing to believe her when she said that she wrote this song at 22, you know? Um, Same. <laughs> and if with that knowledge, with that belief in, in hand, that is mind-blowing. That at 22... She had this perspective on aging as a woman in the industry at 22. And then yeah. to hear a 32-year-old version of her singing the, the, these, the sentiment is really, really powerful. I, I think a beautiful song, it's a song that I relate to as a 32-year-old. And, and it's wild that a 22-year-old was prescient enough to like understand this way of thinking that I think is a universal thing for a lot of women. Um, I really, really love this. It's interesting to me that you said that Phoebe Bridgers doesn't have enough to do on this song because I have heard a lot of people really excited about the fact that she finally let a woman duet a song with her and sing a verse and not just <laughs> do backup vocals, you know? Um, oh, interesting. I hadn't thought about I, that. Is that, is that her vibe? <laughs> she's done duets with a lot of men, where men have yeah. verses and they're true duets. But whenever it's a female artist that's a female artist that's featured, they don't get full verses. They get yeah. you know small that's like true. backup moments. I haven't thought but about that. Heim, Colby Callier, like um, Dixie yeah. Chicks, they're they're not they don't sing verses on her songs. And some women that are you know Taylor Swift fans. Are, have been kind of disappointed by this that are like, you know, Taylor, we love what a feminist you are. Like let the <laughs> women that you feature in your song sing on them. Um, and so this is kind of the first time where she has let a female artist truly duet with her. Um, yeah. And I think the excitement over that I've felt. And so it's interesting for you to think she doesn't have enough to do when, for me, it's like she's she's gets so much to do in comparison. Yeah. <laughs> Since I haven't hadn't realized that that comparison, I guess I was looking at it as as a normal duet. You know, um, I I think also what what's missing for me is that Phoebe Bridgers is so good at at harmonies um, mm -hmm. and being able to fill out a song that way with with you know her collaborators. That that's kind of what I was looking for, especially in the choruses. I wish it had been bigger. I wish um, that's kind of where I wish Phoebe Bridgers had gotten more to do. Um, but it, all all of that to me is very nitpicky about the song. Yeah, she was writing songs yeah. that would fit in with folklore and Evermore like easily. Yeah. I think I. This is one of the songs that I feel like there's got to be some uh, some tweaking that goes on here recently. Yeah. Um, there is uh, a mention of like um, her her predecessor not predecessor. What is it? Successor? Um, yeah. Her, her successor yeah, this... being seventeen and like all of this stuff. And um, I mean, this year we we've had uh, Olivia Rodrigo who is seventeen. Yeah. Who pays a lot of tribute to to Taylor Swift in her music. Um, kind of with with her debut album. A lot of stuff just lines up well that I'm just like, this is interesting that these are the exact lyrics you had, or did you tweak them at all in any way? <laughs> well, so. and I think, let me see if I, if this, if I'm right about this, um, not that I think she was referencing her, but I think I saw somewhere that Phoebe Bridgers said, yeah, that Phoebe Bridgers was 18 when Taylor was 22. When, wow. yeah. when, when. Red came wow. out. Phoebe Bridgers she was eighteen. Young? Was it like an eighteen-year-old like listening to Red? And it, 
Yeah. You know, it's interesting. When I first heard this song, you know, on TikTok, everyone kind of pointed out the Olivia Rodrigo, like, comparison of her being this 17-year-old that's following in Taylor Swift's footsteps. Um, yeah. But that my first thought wasn't Olivia Rodrigo. It was Billie Eilish. Oh, interesting. Not that yeah. Billie Eilish is similar mu- musically to Taylor, but in that she, I think, is reaching the same levels of fame and success that Taylor did yeah. at an incredibly young age. It's yeah, true. and there's a there's an, a a moment where um, one year Taylor spoke at an award show. I think she won like Entertainer of the Year, or Woman of the Year for some event, you know. And in her speech, she kind of said something about how like we as a community of artists really need to nurture, you know, the. 13 year old girl that's taking piano lessons right now or like you know the, we need to look out yeah. for those young women and then like a few years later Billie Eilish won that same award and she was like you know when Taylor Swift was giving that speech I was a 13 year old girl like taking piano lessons um or whatever you know age specifically yeah. they reference that's amazing yeah and it and it makes me emotional to you know I think Women looking after younger generations of women will always make me emotional. But I also love that this song is not like Taylor Swift being like, we must take care of the younger generation. It's like <laughs> this, these youngsters, I'm happy for them, but like, I'm also scared about being replaced. Yeah. And it's very yeah. honest. It's one of her deepest songs, and I'm shocked that it's here. <laughs> I know we're spending a lot of time talking about Taylor. There's one thing I want to bring up to you that we you might want to cut out. Um, okay. But I, I really want to hear what your thoughts are on this as a songwriter. So, you and I have talked about Taylor Swift and, like, queer themes in her music before, Right. And, like, the the theories about is Taylor Swift queer or is she, like, are her songs queer? That kind of thing, right? Yep. Have you heard the stuff about the song The Very First Night from The Vault? Of course not. Of course I've not heard anything about it. (laughs) Okay. Um, First of all, before we get into it, how do you feel about the song? I I think it's the worst. (laughs) Really interesting. Um, I don't like it. <laughs> I think it's this very, does feel like catchy. she wrote it when she was young. <laughs> yeah, I would. Say I just hate the banjo. I'm okay. I like she's so past country at this point that like this feels like a country song. Yeah, and I um, don't. Like I, it. I don't think it's incredibly strong, but I think it's really, really catchy, and I have fun listening to it. Oh, it is. It is definitely catchy. For yeah. Sure. So, but here's the thing that does make me like it because it makes me laugh so hard every time I listen to it. Once people on TikTok pointed this out. Um, the, at the end of the first verse, the lyrics go... just feels so pointed in the second verse it happens again it goes don't forget about the night out in la dance in the kitchen chase me down through the hallway no one knows about the words that we whispered no one knows how much i miss you honestly it makes me laugh how 
like pointed it feels you know like how clear how so clearly you're expecting her to say how it, it sounds like she's about to say how much I miss her and then she says miss you it honestly it's very very funny but as a songwriter I wanted to know what you thought about something that whether you think that feels intentional or not so here's the here's it's a great question I would love to hear an earlier cut of this song like yeah if she recorded a version back then I would love yeah. to hear how it sounds because because she's coming off of a country bent and I I need to I need to inspect why I'm so anti yeah. <laughs> her having having queer lyrics um I think I here's honestly the deal I think I think if that's the case I do think it's queer baiting is is really what I what what I think is happening if yeah. if if, it, if that's true which I hate <laughs> sure. and so I think I think I really just don't want her to be queer baiting at all um but I think coming off a of, of a country stint <laughs> I'll say she probably said yeah I mean sorry she probably said yeah instead of you um I miss ya and in Whisper, in a lot of miss her miss yer no so if you listen to if you listen to the way she says yeah. whisper let me see it's more picture yeah it is it, it is picture there's an r in there but it's polaroid picture picture how much i miss you like she's saying it she's saying it with an open mouth i do feel like it could be that she says oh gosh this is this is hard she does say yeah a lot of times in a, in a lot of her older songs when she's instead of you i think that could be the case I also think it very much could be like, it's so this to me, this feels like the most blatant. <laughs> it feels so blatant. I think it here's the so thing. Blatant. I, if it was a different artist, I, I wouldn't think so, but like, she's a songwriting genius, right? Like she is, she wouldn't. And she's so intentional about she's lyrics. Like so she's, intentional. She wouldn't know that she acts. She wouldn't accidentally do this without realizing it. Yeah. And I don't I think it's just funny to like I think there's a lot of theories about like what why this could be the case, right? Like I think there's you could have the theory that she is queer, she doesn't want to come out and she's doing this and this is her winking at that, you know? Like um I'm not ever going to actually come out, but I'm going to wink at it, right? That could be a theory. I think there's also I think a lot of her songs can feel very queer because they were about very intense female friendships. Um, yeah. And she writes songs that don't actually say anything about like sex or romance, but are about relationships. And, you know, you can definitely interpret them as romantic relationships, but they could be also about a female friendship falling apart, you know? Um, and I think this is a song that you could maybe kind of say that that's the case. Like, this is about, you know, an intense female relationship that could be a friendship, could be something more. And she doesn't want, she knows that, or, and if she wrote this, let's say she wrote this at 22, she knows she can't put out a song with using yeah. her pronouns and what all the controversy that will cause. And so she changes it to you, you know? Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of different ways to read into it. It just, I think this is one that felt so much more intentional than any others like it does it and really and does. to to a comedic extent yes um can, can i tell you my my final argument against it <laughs> oh yeah please <laughs> the rest of the song is written 
in the subject of the song. I get what you're saying. That like the chorus says, um, I'd pick you up and we'd go back in time. She's using the word you throughout the song. Yeah, it's directed. It's directed. Um, and for her to change to a third person, her, uh, yeah. feels weird. Um, sure. That makes but, sense to me. But I do agree with you entirely on everything you just said. <laughs> yeah. It. Really, I do. I think, yeah. yeah, like like I said, I feel like my just my biggest fear is that it's going to, not that it's going to come out and be a big thing later, but just that like, that she really is just queer baiting and, and knows that this is what people want. And so she's giving it to them kind of like yeah. hinted at and just kind of like making these, um, this is something that I feel that like the MCU does a lot of being like, oh, 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 oh we're going to put queer sure. people in here. Oh, we're going to, oh, this, isn't this cool? You know, Are we progressive? Isn't this? And I, I hate it so much. <laughs> totally. I agree with you that queer baiting is very annoying. I have a hard time picturing Taylor Swift queer baiting intentionally. I, I for some reason, I, there are a lot of things that I think she would do that are is manipulative. And like, she's, yeah. you know, I'm not saying that she's pure of heart and wouldn't do it. I just have a hard time of her doing that purpose, picturing her doing that purposefully for, for some reason. I think I'm way more willing to believe that she has intense relationships with women, whether they're sexual or yeah. not, you know? And I agree. that bleeds into her songwriting in a way that sounds very queer, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that's very, very possible and likely. Um, but I'm I'm also never willing to rule out the fact that people that sexuality is a very large spectrum and is much more complicated than someone is just definitely queer or definitely straight, you know? Yeah. Because of that, reading into, like, a queer narrative for any of her music is always very interesting to me. And we've had this conversation yeah. over and over again. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, I, just, I just thought that this one was a particularly funny instance of... Um, I think it's the most egregious <laughs> yeah. uh, version of whatever this is. <laughs> <laughs> right. Totally. Um... Okay, I'm so sorry. The last thing we I, I do think we really just need to talk about really quickly is um, our reactions to the short film and the music video. A hundred percent we have to talk about this. Okay, so the short film. Let's talk about this. Um, wrote and directed, directed it. It feels hard to say, but yes, she wrote and directed a short film starring ooh, Sadie, Dylan Sadie O'Brien. Sink and Dylan yep. O'Brien. It yeah. stars Sadie Sink. You have to say Sadie Sink first. You can't start oh, okay. with Dylan O'Brien. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I go <laughs> alphabetical. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. honestly, the truth of the matter is I just have to get this out right away. I'm a huge Dylan O'Brien fan. I think it is I, – I can't believe he's not a bigger star. Dylan okay. O'Brien – Can we talk about Dylan O'Brien for a second? Let's just have a, have a moment for Dylan O'Brien. Yeah. He's an amazing actor who has not gotten his due. No. At, at all. At he's, all. Definitely not. He's, I don't know if it's just that he hasn't been in the right projects, if he has a bad agent or if he's bad at picking projects, but he's so, so talented, so charismatic, funny, smart, and he should be one of the biggest movie stars working. And for some reason he isn't. And it baffles me. 100% agree. Um, he got locked into the Maze Runner franchise. Um, yeah. For too long honestly <laughs> right um i honestly think those movies aren't bad i actually think they're they're really well done for the budget but at it coming out of those movies i was like him and the director west ball are amazing 
and those movies didn't themselves work for me totally. Yeah, um, I, I've never but, seen those movies, but they have a bunch of great actors in they, them. They really do, and it it kills it on the on the on the acting front. Like the actual um, stories, I just think are less interesting, and it's it has nothing to do with the actual screenwriting or directing or acting. Like it is the story itself is just not great. But I think yeah. the writing it's the writing of the movies um, is as good as you can get for those kinds of movies. I would I'd be interested in in, in you watching those. Um, and I should you think. at least the first one. Let so, me tell you, I do think the first one's pretty good. This short film made me want to go and watch everything Dylan O'Brien has been in, even if it's bad, because I just love him so much. Um, Gosh. Did you ever see American Assassin? No. Him with um, uh, Michael Keaton? Right. Yeah. That, that movie is bad, but he's so yeah. good in it. <laughs> That's a thing. He's in that. He's in, um, he's in that movie that Mark Wahlberg did about, I think about the oil rig spill. Oh, I thought you were going to say the Mark, Mark Bogart. Mark Wahlberg infinite movie that he he's also in that he, class. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's also in that he does I think he's in both of those yeah he's in Deepwater Horizon right um and then what else well here's the thing what happened with here oh now I'm remembering this is part of why he's probably not as big of a star as he should be he was in Deepwater Horizon Lucas and he was injured very badly in the sh- in the filming of that movie like really oh. badly injured um, during filming that. And he he had to take, like, a couple of years off of acting to recover from his injuries. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, I think, okay. like, a year maybe. Maybe a year or two. Yeah. But, like, yeah, I, I just remember it being, like, kind of traumatic and um, and serious. Like, it wasn't like he broke an ankle. Like, it was like he, yeah. he was almost died or something like that. Um, and so, yeah. So that, I think, kind of was a speed bump in some momentum that his career probably had at that time. Yeah. Um, I know him from Teen Wolf and yes. Have, did you ever watch any of Teen Wolf? Absolutely. Okay. It's the it's, only Dylan Bryant thing I haven't seen. <laughs> let me tell you. Um, that's funny because I haven't seen anything other than Teen Wolf. I think now oh, that I've, looked, no, I've seen, I've seen a few other little projects, but none of these yeah. big stuff. Um, yeah. Lucas, Teen Wolf is not bad. You know that I love it, and I don't think you would love it in the same way I would love it, but I think you would get invested. And Dylan O'Brien is such a star on that show. I think that show has a lot of talent, um, but he shines on that show as like, wow, this is a movie star waiting to be born. I don't know if I could do it. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. Um, I was really excited to see him in this short film, Um, getting, getting that moment of spotlight. Um, yeah. because he's so good. I want him in more things. Um, I think in this video specifically, he also is kind of perfect for this, as you say, Jake yeah. Gyllenhaal stand-in. Um, yep. <laughs> I think he fits really well. I also really like Sadie Sink. Um, I haven't seen her in anything but, uh, what's her thing? What's the thing? Stranger Things. In? Stranger Things. Yeah. I haven't seen her in anything but Stranger Things, um, but I thought she was great in this. I honestly loved the cinematography and direction, which is why I, I think Taylor Swift would actually make a really good director. I'd be interested in seeing her direct some more of her own music videos, um, at least. And I I don't know. I thought this, this was a really, really good video. Here's what I will say about this. Um, as much as I love Taylor Swift's songwriting and her music, I have never really loved her visual output um i feel like i I, i'm very hot and cold on all on her music videos 
a, a lot of times I don't like them. Um, her album covers, her her visual interpretations have never always like quite worked for me. Um, I feel Says like the they person could... who was a Taylor Swift album cover for Halloween. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was one of my favorite ones. <laughs> I, actually, that was actually one of my favorite album covers. Um, it is. It is. When true. I think of bad Taylor Swift album covers, I think of Red. I think Every of Reputation. Yeah. I think of Fearless. I, hate... I think of Speak I'm Now. I'm with you on that. I hate them all. I yeah. don't like any of her music videos. I do think this is even yeah. even the the one for that just came out. What's it called? The Blake well, Lively one. We'll we'll get to that one. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, there are some music videos that I think are really good. I think the Blank Space music video is very good. Um, but I think a lot of them are really bad. I think they're yeah. cheesy. I think she is uh, always very on the nose. You know about yes. you know anything that she puts out in that way. So I felt very similarly to that about this short film. Um, I think visually it's very pretty. Um, I, I, I don't dislike it visually, but the writing of this music video is just on the nose is the only way I can describe it. Um, you know, every scene, what what the lyrics are saying is exactly what you're seeing on the screen. Like, there's no yes, <laughs> variance. Sure. And the scene where the they, there's actually dialogue and we have the couple, like, having an argument. Yeah. yeah. Is very badly written, in my that, opinion. <laughs> I, I 100% agree with you. That's bad. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's well acted. I think those mm-hmm. two actors are really great and have a lot of chemistry. But the writing is bad. It's it feels green. Um, I think the choice to have the Dylan O'Brien character say the word fuck constantly feels like a very yeah. intentional character choice that was like she made on purpose. But I think it was a bad choice and I think it was distracting. And to me, it felt a little um, ad libbed. Like yeah. The, I, like there was an outline of what they were supposed to be talking about. And interesting. They possibly just kind of worked with the outline. Which feels like, because like, yeah, his his the amount, <laughs> yeah, it's a of lot of language that he uses there. Just feels like it's someone just kind of talking, just trying to like say stuff. I heard um, someone compare it to the Wolf of Wall Street for like <laughs> fucks per minute. Uh, like it's yeah, it's it's quite a, a bit um, in a very unoriginal feeling way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. definitely. So that yeah. was hard to watch, I would say. Yeah. The rest of the video, I think, was very, you know, it's not that complicated. It's like a couple fighting yeah. and, and kissing. Like, that's yeah. there's not much to it. I don't think there's a lot of substance. But um, I've watched it multiple times. It's, it can't be that bad because I keep <laughs> watching it. Um, I think the, the best thing in the video is the choice to cast a 19-year-old that looks like a 19-year-old and a 30-year-old yep. man with a beard that looks like a 30-year-old yep. man. I think that is really, really strong casting and visually conveys so much about that relationship. And I, I appreciate Taylor Swift for not shying away from that. Um, and I don't think... I think you and I are are pretty critical of large age differences in relationships right um like in our personal (laughs) lives and in our tastes for stories right Mm -hmm. but what i like about this video is that i think what she's doing in this song and in this short film 
is that she's acknowledging the age difference. She's acknowledging the harm that comes from that age difference without outright saying like you this is you are a creep you are a villain you know what i mean i think there's a difference because i think that's too easy of an answer right to just say anyone who has this kind of age difference is bad and is a bad person and this is bad because it's i think it's way too complicated to say that um but it i think it's also letting people off the hook if we don't acknowledge the dissonance that exists when you have someone who is just coming out of their teenage years in a relationship and socializing with full grown people that have been adults for a decade. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I think what, what I don't like in media, cause my, my parents are actually nine years apart. They're, um, yeah, they, they got, they got married when my mom was 19 or no, my mom was 18 and my dad was 27. Interesting. Um, and they have a great marriage. It, it's it's yeah. you know, it's fantastic. But when media acts like that's the norm and that there is no power differential or um, right. things that you have to work through due to that age difference, yeah, is where is where I really, really, really dislike um, the way it's being portrayed. And I think one of the things that obviously she does in this is lean into that and really let's cast that age difference and let's talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> and. I think I think that's where things really start to fall apart um, in a lot of those kinds of relationships is when there is no acknowledgement of that age difference and what 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 that actually means for the relationship. Right. I really loved the shots, not just, you know, you see the shots of them. She looks really young. He looks his age mm-hmm. like and, <laughs> and, and you're and you're noticing that. But I also loved there were so many shots of. Her being surrounded by other late 20-something, early 30-somethings. And especially yeah. to see her compared to other women that were, yeah. quote-unquote, age-appropriate. Um, to show the difference. Feeling like, this is what a 19-year-old looks like. This is what a 30-year-old woman looks like. Um, yep. I think that was really powerful also. Um, from, a, from a celebrity gossip point of view, um, I think... The I don't know if you're aware of this, and I want to put you know make you Probably aware of it. Probably not. <laughs> yeah, it is. If if the lyric in this song she actually wrote that she was 22, the lyric about you know I will get older and your lovers will stay the same age. Um, if she wrote that as a 22 year old, she was incredibly prescient because Jake was Gyllenhaal. She? Yes, because Jake Gyllenhaal is 40 and he is dating a 25-year-old currently. He started really? dating, he started dating her when she was 22. She's now 25. Um and for her uh, let's 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 buy into it, right? Let's assume she did write that when she was 22. Yeah. For her to call that out and be right a decade later is <laughs> amazing. And so damning of Jake Gyllenhaal, right? I love it. <laughs> Quite wild. I do. I do want to say, like her, the the way that she writes lyrics, I think is why I am more forgiving of this short film being on the nose, sure. um, because the the song is doing the actual writing for this. Yeah, that's um, true. This this film, which I think is 
really great. <laughs> Obviously, it's a great song. It's probably yeah, you know, probably her best, one of her best at least. Um, and I think that 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 just leaning into we're just gonna do, we're just gonna do what I said here already and play with that is what I think makes this film really great. And focusing on that relationship itself and the like you said the age difference, the people surrounding it who aren't necessarily um, f- you know heavily featured in the the lyrics of the song yeah um, but showing showing the relationships that are close that 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 you know the, the relationships that revolve around the central relationship um i think is very very interesting yeah um i do want to uh, talk about the music video that just came out today for yes. i bet you think about me um yes. before you saw this music video how did you feel about the song i don't like the song you no. didn't like the song <laughs> i didn't either no um yeah, didn't really didn't really connect with the song the first time I listened no. through to it. Um, then I watched this music video. Um, I want to note that it stars Miles Teller and was directed by Blake Lively, Taylor Swift's very very close friend. Um, yep. And I will say I really liked this music video. Really? I, yeah. I don't normally like Taylor Swift music videos. But this one I thought was very charming. Um, I think the song is pretty funny. Um, it's not a strong song, but I definitely think there's a lot of humor in it. And I think this music video really like plays up the humor of the song and the like it's you know, it's a song that has like a touch of bitterness, but is like bitterness with a smile right like it's yeah you know it doesn't sound like someone's pain pained is singing this it sounds like someone's laughing about um this silly relationship right and um i i just really liked it i also um really like that miles teller is in this music video i just makes me think i just want more movie stars in music videos that's fun and let's do more of it in my opinion yeah yeah what what to you feels different about this video because to me this feels like it's in line with a lot of her other music videos i just liked it i'm having a hard time distinguishing what makes it different other than i feel like a lot of her videos i think a lot of her videos can also be like because she's such a big star um Mm -hmm. they can be too big right like i think of the music videos for like Endgame and ready for it that are or like, yeah. I think it's, I think it's ready for it where it's like a sci-fi fi- film essentially. Like yeah. there's so yeah. many special effects that it's like, what the, what, what am I even watching and how does this relate to the song <laughs> at all? Right. Yeah. Um, I think she can be, and I think, or I think of like, Oh, like the music video for me or you need to calm down where it's like so much, color and so much like you know dancers and unicorns and celebrities and just as much as you can cram in right um yeah just overload and i don't think that this video does that at all i think it has like a very strong simple concept mm-hmm. to me it but feels you, like a, you, you a don't seem to like that, it that would have come out at the time that this album came out around that red time i feel sure. like it fits in with that style yeah um, i didn't I, I I don't think it was like the worst video in the world, but it just, to me it just didn't feel different um, yeah. than some of the other stuff that she'd done. Do you have any videos of hers that you really like? It's a great question. I don't think I do. <laughs> do you like Blank Space? It's fine. Okay, it's fine. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I probably need to go back and watch. I've never been a big Taylor Swift music video person. Yeah. Um, 
like well, I don't even think I've seen most of her music videos because um they're not great but also she's not a great actress and so in a lot of her right. videos she's having to do a lot of the heavy lifting which i do think could be why this one's better is this is a lot of him um yeah miles teller's doing a lot in this movie in this yeah. video um and well, she's and obviously think, doing a lot too but i would say that in this one she feels the most natural that i've ever seen her be in a music video like that's true I would she agree doesn't seem to be hamming it up she seems to yeah. be like playing this character in a very like a much more subdued charming way than she typically yeah. does um yeah. still still fun still silly but right yeah more subdued yeah i'd agree the video, with that. yeah the videos that come to mind is good i like the blank space video um i like yeah, that's a good one the lover music video i think stylistically is like really pretty and fun mm-hmm. um i liked let's see um Oh, there's another one that I'm blanking on. I hated both of the videos for um, Folklore and Evermore. Like, was not into those. Oh, yeah. Those yep. were bad. <laughs> um, whenever she has a lot of CGI, I feel like she go, it goes bad for Taylor. Um, yeah. Let's see. What else? I I do like the Bad Blood music video. Um, that's the one. I do, too. That's, that that's is, o- yeah. That's over the top in a fun way yep. for me. But I think it's mostly because um, there are other people in it. Like, it's right. it's very big into the celebrity cameos not right. the cameos the celebrities that are in that video yeah which is a lot of yeah fun to see. um oh the other one that i do think is is good is um delicate where she dances a bunch do you know which one that is actually, i actually don't know if i've seen that video you should you should watch that one because um yeah. taylor swift also gets a lot of um crap for kind of like not being a a, a i would say a natural dancer um Compared to someone like Beyonce, right, or Britney Spears, where like they are amazing yep. pop star performer dancers, um, Taylor Swift, I don't think is quite on that level. But um, and I've never been a fan. I I always will prefer Taylor in front of a piano or with a guitar than Taylor dancing and doing like the Agreed. pop star thing. But delicate is like her dancing alone in hallways kind of doing like little girl ballet but in an adult body in a way that really works um and it's that's a that's a good one um, all right i'll check it out yeah but yeah I, I think but there's a lot of misses i think like the ready yeah. for it the end games the you need to calm downs the yes. knees <laughs> the <laughs> um oh i just realized i do love the look what you made you look what you made me do oh uh, yeah that one is a good one that one's amazing yeah. i mean yeah. <laughs> that's that one's great but yeah it's hit, basically what i'm saying like i said i'm hot or hot and cold like it's hit or miss yeah. um yeah. and this one worked for me and it made me like the song ultimately the power of this music video is that it makes me like this song more i don't think i'll be listening to it like regularly mm-hmm. but it made me appreciate the humor in this song a lot more um yeah and so I think the music video, that's a win for the song. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree with that. I have one last question. Okay. When a new Taylor album comes out, I feel like I listen to it constantly for about a month or like two to three months after it comes yes. out. Yep. And then as time goes on, I will only then listen to like my favorites from the album, right? How yep. long, because this is a re-release how long do you think this album will stay with you or how, and if the album won't, how long do you think the 10 minute of all too well? Yeah. will be, you'll be listening to 
regularly. Yeah, um, I'm I'm done. I I'm done um, with this album. <laughs> okay. Um, I I did it. I've listened to it through uh, about probably three times at this point. I'm good. Uh, the things that will continue to be put in my playlists um, are all too the all, the ten minute version of All Too Well and um, I forgot the name of it. Nothing new. Nothing new. There we go. Um, those two will definitely continue to get listens. Um, maybe every once in a while, um, a couple of the other, um, called vault tracks, the vault tracks. Yeah. A couple of the other vault tracks. Um, I think this was an error that I didn't love of hers because she was transitioning from country to pop quote unquote, I guess at this point, um, that didn't feel like she had it figured out yet exactly like what she was doing. Um, and I think I have come to love where she's at lover folklore evermore. That three album sprint has been truly fantastic. And I'm very excited about where she's going in the future. So to me, this doesn't feel like a step back at all. It just feels like, yeah, we've done this before. You know, we've, we've seen this portion of her life. I'm more excited about the future. Yeah. I think I'm going to be listening. I like, I never stop listening to all too well. The original, like uh, that's a song that is constantly been on a frequent rotation for me. Um, it's on anytime I make like a Taylor Swift playlist of, you know, what, what Taylor Swift songs I'm in the mood for all too well is always going to be on that list. And so now I imagine that this 10 minute version will get played quite frequently for me for the next few months. Um, I don't see it leaving anytime soon. I don't think I'd listen to all too well in a couple years. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) So, but I'm very excited for this 10 minute version. I could talk about Taylor Swift literally all day and night, but I do know that we need to wrap up at some point. So is there anything that we want to say to conclude like our ultimate Taylor Swift thoughts? I think she's a genius and I will listen to anything she ever puts out, even if it's (laughs) re-release. Same. All right. Well, I think that's about it for us. Uh, Sandra, where can we find you? You can find me on all social media platforms at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. You can find me everywhere at Lucas and Stuff. See ya. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye now. Bye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yeah. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 